So welcome to the, uh, the last teaching session of this retreat. Please don't be too concerned because there's always another retreat. That's how it feels for me coming up soon. <laughs> you finish one retreat, you have a bit of a rest and you teach another retreat. So it's a beautiful lifestyle of being able to serve. And on this retreat, um, sometimes people say that I teach too high, sometimes they teach too low, but I always prefer teaching more uh, deep dhammas, especially in meditation, simply because a lot of people don't have enough faith that they can actually achieve and experience some of these states. And if I set the bar high in my talks, more and more people actually do much better in their meditation. It's almost as if you encourage them, and sometimes they think, well, other people can do it, so why not me? So hopefully by setting the bar high, things like nimittas and jhanas, hopefully that encourage some of you to experience, or at least taste, some of those beautiful states. In the time of the Buddha, uh, people would achieve those states, lay people, so why not you? And eventually, it takes a bit of a while, but after a while you do sort of tend to get the, the understanding of how to meditate. And that understanding of how to meditate is also has a huge amount of Dhamma involved in it. So that's one of the reasons why when you uh, aim for nice, peaceful, deep, beautiful types of meditation, you also learn huge amounts of insight and what actually stops those meditations happening and what actually encourages them. So this is one of the reasons I, I teach that way. And of course, you'll go on and on and on with the meditation. It will keep on going on. Because I know that many times people say that once they get a taste of this, yeah, they may be busy and they may do many other things, but after a while they tend to get drawn back into doing some more of this meditation. It's just, it is addictive. And beautifully so. And also during this time, that you know, we don't have, uh, I shouldn't actually talk too much, but when you go back home, people always ask that question. The main piece of advice when you go back home to carry on this practice is to make it a priority. If it really is important to you, you'll always be able to find time. And also to help you find time, what I've said to many of you is find a nice little place somewhere in your house. Now, people's houses are quite large, and they have many places. They have games rooms, they have entertainment rooms, dining rooms, goodness knows how many, how many rooms. But it's nice to have like a spiritual room in your house, a shrine room. I know that the last retreat we did here was from, for some Singaporeans. And in many Singaporean people's houses, they, if they build a new house, they have to put a bunker underneath. Uh, in case there's some nuclear war or something. And I asked the Singaporeans, what do you do in there? It's a storeroom. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Why waste that beautiful space just storing more stuff in there? It'd be a great place to use as a meditation room. And many of you have seen my cave and seen that that's a wonderful place to meditate. Totally quiet, really comfortable, pretty constant temperature, 
and nothing disturbs you in there except your own mind or your own sort of defilements. You may not be able to get that in your home where you live in the different cities of our world, but you should be able to find some little corner of a room or a room under the stairs or cupboard. And the classic story, I won't talk too much because we want to do the meditation. Uh, the classic story was of a lawyer over in the United States. And this was in New York State, and it was a time when they had the death penalty, the electric chair. And so that um, he uh, would, would defend many people on criminal cases on, you know, with a death sentence. If he made a wrong choice, if he said the wrong words, his client would be killed. And so it was a very high-stress job. So what he did was uh, every lunch hour that you know, he, he had a secretary and his secretary helped him clean out a cupboard in the office. Not a big cupboard, but just enough to sit in. And every lunch hour for half an hour he get his secretary to lock him in the cupboard. To put him away for half an hour. <laughs> so that he could meditate. And he said it made a huge difference. The secretary was just so happy to do that because he wasn't such a you know, pain in the butt. And I was going to say pain in the ass, but I'm not supposed to say those words, am I? <laughs> Oops. He was a pain in the butt if he you know, was so stressed out. But also he wanted to do that because it was, he became a much better lawyer in the afternoon. His mind was clearer, more more balanced. So there's many examples of people making the opportunity by finding a cupboard in your house. You can always put some more things in there, but you can also take them out as well. You don't need so much rubbish in your house. Have a look in my house. How much rubbish was in my cave? You don't need much. So then you can uh, just have a nice place just for your meditation. And it helps enormously. If you've got a place to do that, it's much easier to do it. Because it just, it's all ready for you. And you build up energy there. And as you build up energy in your little meditation corner, even some people do it in the corner of their bedroom, put a little mat there somewhere, a few little um, things to remind them of meditation. And they go there you know, whenever they need to, sometimes every morning or every evening, you know when there's the best time to meditate? You'll know that. It's now. And the worst time to meditate is always later. In other words, you give it priority. When you give it priority, it's very easy. So those are just the little things. If you really find it really important, it's amazing what you can do. It's one of the reasons why when people do get cancer, I'm really surprised and impressed at how much they can meditate and how well they can meditate. You know why? This is important to them. Now for them it's life or death. That's why they don't mess around. So you don't need to get cancer first of all before you start meditating properly. <laughs> but nevertheless, you can see just the priority which you give it. When you do give it priority, though, don't stress out about it. You're not going to try and attain something. You're trying to relax. Trying to... Um, uh, be peaceful 
when you know what creates the deep meditation experiences, learning how to relax very deeply, then you also know you can, yeah, put your effort to sit down and give yourself time to meditate. Once you're on that meditation uh, cushion or chair, then just to let go and relax totally. So those are just little things when you get back home. But please excuse me for being a hypocrite because you're not back home yet. We have to live in the present moment. Who knows? You might never get back home. Who knows? The future is uncertain. Isn't that the case? We have another... uh, We're going to do the 40-minute meditation now. uh, Guided meditation on loving-kindness. Who knows? You might get enlightened in the next 45 minutes. And if you do, will you go back home? No need. You just stay here. Are you up for that? (laughs) But it's not your choice. Anyway, so let's get uh, into a meditation posture. Whichever one you feel is comfortable for you. Okay, good. Okay, the teddy bear. And this does uh, become a guided meditation for most of the period. But to start with, like close your eyes. And to prepare your body, first of all, for loving-kindness meditation. If you can't care for your body, what can you care for? This is right in front of you. It's right here, right now. So how does your body feel right now with your eyes closed? How much of it can you experience? What part of your body stands out more than anything else? What part is uncomfortable? So deal with that first of all. We always close our eyes when we do uh, meditation. And the reason is, is because if you do have an itchy nose, you can put your finger up it to scratch it. No one can see. (laughs) Don't peek. (laughs) Or if you've got a sort of itchy ear, that's what a little finger is built for. (laughs) Be comfortable. But having done just a a coarse relaxation of my body, then I usually do a more refined body sweep. And over the years, you become so sensitive to your body, parts which a lot of people don't even know exist, like your toes. I start with my toes because they're such a long way away from my head. They get neglected sometimes. So now I pick up any feeling sensation in my toes. If I can't feel anything, I wiggle the toes. I connect with my toes. And after a while, I can become so sensitive to the feelings in my toes 
I've learned how to relax them. You may think, what do toes need relaxing for? Yeah, you can relax your back, or you can relax, you know, your uh, arms or your hands, or but your toes? Of course you can. And I'm sensitive enough about the feelings in my toes. It's really fun to relax them. I imagine that the feelings in the toes expanding, so nothing is squunched and held tight and taut in some sort of container. Uh, they're free, they expand and relax to the max. And I notice the feeling in those toes actually changes from when I began. Now, this, I keep on saying the same description of a feeling because there's not that many words which I know describing toe feelings, but it's like a tingling sensation. It carries with it the information that my toes are really comfortable, they're really at ease. It's as if my toes are thanking me for paying them attention. Just like if I see one of you and I say, how are you? Sometimes it's nice that I notice you and I pay you attention. So I make sure all my toes are really comfy. And then I go further up my body to my feet. I've got the soles of my feet, the heel, the uppers. I become aware of all those parts in my feet, making sure everything is really as comfortable as they can be. I do notice my feet is a bit squashed under the, the right calf, so I'm going to just adjust now. It's okay to fidget at this time of the meditation. Fidget now, be comfortable later. Endure now and you know, have a terrible time later. That's better. Once my feet are comfortable, just check them again. Go to my ankles. Some of you may have had injuries, especially as you get older. So some of those injuries, the reckless pursuits of your youth, you know, are stored there to give you aches and pains and arthritis to goodness knows what else. So I make sure my uh, my ankles are really at ease. When you are mindful, you have the opportunity to get what I call feedback. You try this, even just an attitude of mind. Does that relax the feelings in your ankles or does it make them worse? This is how you learn. It's like trial and error to begin with. But afterwards, you learn how to relax any place of your body. Now once my ankles feel good, up my, the calves of my legs, it's not just the muscles, even imagining the bones and the skin and the front and the back of your lower legs. 
perspective, I'm just checking out that everything is at ease. It's peaceful. It's like my calves are resting in soft pillows. It's like they're, I'm indulging them. They don't mind. They do a lot of work. So thank you for caring for them. They do relax. And you go to your knees. For many people, they have problems with knees. Sports, injuries, um, things like motorbike accidents, or just you know, falling over. I can feel both my knees right now. I zoom in to that sensation. That's the most important for me right now. Any sensation in my knees. And as I zoom in on them, getting to experience and be mindful of just the knees, then that does give me the opportunity to check out if there's any tightness there. I can release that tightness. I've learned how to do that just by, again, trial and error. And soon my knees just relax. It's like they open up. Like any tight places get sort of rearranged, so they're loose again. Sometimes I don't do this, but it's like oiling the joints when you have a machine. And once the oil soaks into the places which rub against each other, things become smooth again. And once my knees feel fine, then I move my attention up to the thighs. Huge muscles. I make sure that I can experience and feel them. And once I can experience and feel them, then I have the opportunity to relax them. Sometimes right inside those thighs, the inner muscles, you can feel there might be some tightness there. And sometimes imagination works. Sometimes you imagine that there's, on either end of those muscles, there's some invisible demons pulling them, stretching them, causing them strain. And I imagine very calmly, quietly, you know, little monsters, just relax. Give those muscles some freedom. And the muscles just release. Some of that tightness in my thighs vanishes. And I go to my butt. I always find the butt an interesting area because there's always sensations there when I'm sitting on a cushion. And those sensations are usually unpleasant when I watch them. There's pressure on them. But I know my job is just to recognize that pressure, try and make it as even as possible. So for me, there's no folds of robes biting into my skin. Everything is nice and smooth. Because I know when there's an even sensation there, it will soon disappear. Again, the mind is only wired to notice differences. So when that feeling stays there, I know I need to do nothing more. That feeling will just disappear by itself soon. 
and I go up to my waist. And this is a time when I always allow myself to move if I need to. Some days, if you're sitting on a chair, you can lean back. That feels comfortable. Some days, you know, you sit up straight. Depends on how you feel in this moment, in this hall, today. So today, my body asked me to sort of sit up nice and straight. I don't decide, I'd ask my body. It feels good. As I go further up my back, honestly, I love to give it a stretch at this point of meditation. That stretching allows these pain-killing chemicals, whatever it is, endorphins or endomorphins, I forget what they're called, to be secreted. It's a pleasurable feeling to stretch. So I give my back a nice stretch, it deserves it. And having stretched it, which is doing its willpower, then I let go. I let my back relax. And I can feel the different parts of it and I relax every part as much as I can. And then I go to the bottom of my torso again. Because I know as for monks, because we're not quite sure what we eat, we don't have as much choice as maybe you have of what food goes into your belly, that monks and nuns, they do get stomach problems. So I just check my um, colon and intestine, I can feel it. And as I'm feeling it, experiencing it, if I find any part which is tight, aching or hurting, I again zoom in on that. And as I zoom in, I can relax parts of my digestive system. Let things be. Sometimes if there's an irritation or a pain there, often, just almost unconsciously, automatically, we tense up around that area. We tend to squash things. That doesn't help at all. So instead of squashing up things, restricting that area, you open it totally up. You can feel that there's much more ease in that area. We go up to the inner organs like the, the stomach and the lungs. And sometimes I don't really know if I'm watching my lungs or my stomach, but it's just some of those inner organs. I'm observing if there's any aches or pains there. I'm just expanding, allowing those uh, stomach or those lungs to feel freedom. No blockage. And any of the organs in the back, if ever feel any tightness or tension there, focus on them. Give them so much loving kindness. It's like every part of that organ just eases, relaxes, becomes loose rather than stiff.
becomes open rather than protective. It becomes nice and comfortable. I get to my shoulders. Once I'm in my shoulders, again, that's a common area where there's stress. And to alleviate that stress, I imagine those shoulders, the tightness of them, and learn how to let them go. So my shoulders feel so at ease, relaxed, as if they've been in a bathtub and just relaxing because of the hot, comfortable water. Go down my arms and my, to my hands. This always happens when I get to my hands. I say, you know, do you want to be adjusted hands? And nine times out of ten, they say yes. So I'm going to move my hands now, make them more comfortable. And when they're comfortable, and I just check them again. Are you sure that's how you would like to be left? My hands say, yeah. So the whole arms are just totally at ease. No tightness, no pressure. I'm not trying to have a posture which impresses other people. I'm just having a posture which is comfortable for the observer, me. Go back up to the shoulders and to the neck. And I make sure my head is well balanced on top of the neck. Not too far to the left or the right, not too far forward or back. And I move it around until I find that optimum comfortable place for my head on top of my shoulders. And then lastly I go to the front of my face to make sure any muscles around the forehead around the eyes, the nose or the mouth, making sure all of those are totally at ease, relaxed. Because I know that your inner emotions, things like fear, control, anxiety, depression, all of those emotions are played out on the muscles of the face. By relaxing the muscles, you relax the emotions. And you're replacing the negative ones, the painful ones, with simple kindness. A little smile on your face does wonders right now. Now I've relaxed all of my body as best I could. I'll just check it one last time. How do you feel, body? Have I missed out anything? If everything is in order, then I can let the body be. And now, having let the body be, I can start doing the loving-kindness meditation. And... As many of you know, have heard me before, I always consider loving-kindness or developing loving-kindness like lighting a fire. You cannot put a match against a wet, sappy log 
and expect it to, um, to grab the flame and become a light. You have to use easy kindling, first of all, or even better, pieces of paper. So you put the flame on the paper, the paper becomes a light, then you put on small twigs, the kindling, and once that takes the flame, you can put on bigger pieces of wood, and bigger and bigger and bigger. And when that fire is really strong, then you can put on the wet, sappy logs, and they take the flame easily too. Surprisingly so. There's so much heat and energy in the fire. That's like loving kindness. So you start with an easy object, like similar to the paper. Put a match to it and it takes a flame. For me, I usually use a kitten. I do like cats, especially little cats especially cats who have been injured, who are alone, have no one to look after them. So I'm imagining walking in some part of town and I hear, hear this almost a strange sound. It's not like a normal kitten or a cat. It's something which carries with it a combination of pain and hope. This little kitten, for some reason it does not understand, has been abandoned by its mother, has tried to make contact with other beings, but has been scratched and bitten and chased away, not knowing why. This little kitten is hiding in some dark corner of some old building and it hears me pass and just cries just in desperation. It knows it cannot survive without someone to look after it and be kind to it and care for it. It's so afraid it might get bitten, scratched, hurt yet again. And so it hides. But when I hear that plaintive cry from a little being, I don't know what it is yet. Just the compassion gets aroused. And I just walk towards the, the sound. As I walk towards it, I can see in a dark corner, all I can see is these two eyes looking at me. They're not eyes of a dangerous animal. They're eyes of an animal in so much suffering. All I can do is to look back and spread as much loving kindness as I can possibly generate in this moment towards this poor suffering animal. This real loving kindness. Little animal, whoever you are, the door of my heart is open to you. Please let me help you. I need 
to be of service. And because of its sincerity of loving kindness, you can see the animal's eyes come a little further out from the hole. So I can see it is a little kitten, little whiskers and little ears. And so in order to be kind and protect and serve it and heal its wounds and feed it not just with food but with love, I extend my hand out towards that cat. Open hand, slowly. The last thing I want to do is make it more afraid. This is not a trick, little cat. This is me just making you feel safe so that I can give you as much loving kindness, meta, compassion, everything as I can. I've got lots of resources. So as I put my hand closer to this little being, you can see the little being just recede a little bit. You're not quite sure what I'm up to. But I continue just keeping the eye contact and spreading as much loving kindness as possible into that little being. I will never harm you. I will never hurt you. I do have enough food. I can feed you, make sure you have enough milk to drink and a warm, safe place to sleep at night. And as I say these words to this little kitten, I don't think the kitten can understand English, but it certainly can understand the emotions which are behind those words. And that little kitten allows me to touch her. I feel the fur. I'm surprised. Cat's fur is usually so clean and so smooth like satin. But this fur is all tangled. It's tangled. It's not glue which is tangling it. It's blood. Poor little kitten had been bitten or scratched so many times. It's got all these scabs, the wounds on its skin. So when I put my hand, open hand, under it to try and bring it out from this hole, I have to be so soft. That little kitten must be hurting so much. I try and hold it as tenderly as I possibly can. As I lift it up, it's not heavy, it's all skin and bone. And when I hold it up, it lets me. My loving kindness has given trust to that kitten. It's trusting me back. And I will never uh, disrespect that trust. I know if if I sneeze or something and just it hurts that kitten, that kitten will run away and hide and never come out again. So I pick it up so softly, so mindfully, so carefully. Again with the eye contact because that's reassuring the kitten. I pick it up and lift it up and bring it out of the hole and hold it against my chest.
softly, comfortably. And all the time, this loving kindness, I always say for me anyway, the loving kindness appears to come out from my chest, where the real heart is. And I can feel the tingling of the skin of my chest. It's like the rays of loving kindness are coming out from my heart through the skin of my chest and into this imaginary being. I call it like a golden glow coming out from my chest. It's how I imagine it. And the golden glow just goes all into that kitten, going down to the tip of each one of its legs to its paws, to the end of its little tail, up to its head, to its ears, and the poor ears, see the, where they've been bitten, and the blood is hard on those ears. And its head, as I'm holding it so softly, this little kitten just closes its eyes and falls asleep. That's what I imagine. It trusts me. And I'm, as I'm holding it, I keep on pouring in all the loving kindness I possibly can generate, even overdoing it, because this cat needs it. And holding it so softly until the cat falls fast asleep. Little kitten, you have nothing to worry about. I'll care for you, look after you, feed you, clean you, and make sure all those little wounds you know, can become healed. So you can be just a naughty little cat like every other little cat. And so that you can be my friend and I'll be your friend. So I can see you grow up and play. We trust each other, we love each other. I care for you. And as I grow this golden glow of love and kindness in my heart and just bathe this little kitten with it. The kitten feels safe and I feel happy that I've had the opportunity to serve. The little fire of loving kindness has been lit. So once it's there and I can feel it in my chest, it's a sensation which I've developed and I can recognize. Soft, tingly, warm. Then I imagine somebody else in this world. Somebody who's suffering. I imagine them a real human being. I imagine them as if they're right in front of me right now. And as they're right in front of me, I know that they're not a little kitten. Sometimes they many years they have lived, but still they hurt so much. They feel so rejected, alone. Every time they've tried to be kind to someone, they too have like been bitten and scratched, metaphorically. So I imagine that little that being. And I say, the door of my heart is open to you too. I don't know exactly who you are. But I know you're hurting. And I can be of service and help.
my dear friend, may you be relaxed enough that your body can heal itself. May you feel at ease that you're never going to be afraid of other human beings or other animals. May you just open your heart so you can receive the love of others and give lots of love back yourself. As I start pouring this loving kindness energy, this golden light, into a person I know who's having such a difficult time today. I don't care where they are, any other part of the world, because when it comes to mind stuff, space doesn't have much meaning. So I bathe them with loving kindness until you can see them relaxing and feeling at ease. When I imagine that opening my eyes, all the meditators in this room, some of you are suffering, and you're all suffering to different degrees. But sometimes at this moment I don't recognize all the wonderful achievements and experiences you've had. I can see the, the pain you've experienced during these few days or earlier on. You too need the beautiful loving kindness. So I imagine from my heart all these rays of light going into each one of you. And I imagine you developing your loving kindness and sending this golden light to everybody in this room. The people sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you, all over. May each one of you not be afraid. May each one of you realize just the joy of knowing that you are cared for, that you are safe. You don't have to impress anybody. Just relax. Who you are is more than good enough. You don't have to improve to receive my love. You give this loving kindness to everybody in this room. Imagine all these little connections between each one of us. Rays of light bathing each other. Yours go inside of me get boosted up and go back out again. Mine go into you, boosted up and give it to somebody else. As we share the gift of unconditional, unmeasured, unrestricted loving kindness to everybody in this room. And of course, there's other people in this retreat center the caretakers, the retreat manager, all those people who brought food for us, all the people who cleaned up and the people driving here to take you back to the airport later on. May all beings in this compound called Jana Grove, may they all receive my loving kindness, our loving kindness. May you all be happy, free from diseases, free from worries and concerns, anxious free, 
so your minds can be open enough to enjoy the dawns and the sunsets and the animals flying through the air and the wonderful clouds and the rain and the wind of this beautiful retreat center. My gift to you is that you feel unencumbered by problems so you can enjoy the peace of this moment as you spread the loving kindness to all in this compound. And that loving kindness, like a beautiful light, comes from each one of us, healing, bathing, embracing, giving confidence and safety to everybody in this compound, even the animals, those little uh, millipedes who join us every day. May each one of you be free and at peace. And then you spread the loving kindness as it grows stronger and stronger, further than just this compound. As the beautiful feelings of warmth and kindness go to all the monks and anagarikas at Bodhinyana, goes all the prisoners at Karnak Prison Farm in the other direction. May all of you feel peace and happiness and freedom, knowing that you are cared for, even by people you never met before. May you all be free and happy and at peace. May all those worries and thoughts which cause such tightness inside your heart and mind, and they're the things which cause you to do bad things, which made you go into prison. But underneath that, there's a great store of goodness inside of you. That's why we can care for you. Allow that feeling of loving kindness to spread even further up to all the birds in the air and the animals who crawl underground, which you don't see, to even the, uh, the nature, the trees and the bushes and everything which works together to create this beautiful thing which we call nature. But not just this area, you spread it over to Perth, down to Bunbury, Manjura, Manjura and down over to Albany and Bunbury, Bustleton, Esperance, all the way up north. The great city of Perth, which has got so many suburbs, millions of people there, some of our friends, some of your family. As you bathe the whole city of Perth in our combined golden light of loving kindness, healing, consoling, bringing peace and joy to people's lives, to animals' lives, birds' lives, to everything. And then you spread that loving kindness even further further over the seas and through the air, past the deserts. Many of you come from the east of Australia. You've got family and loved ones who are missing you. People who are sick in hospitals. People who are struggling in the floods. May all the beings in this whole country of Australia, from north to south, no matter who they are, 
You know, they may have hurt you before. They may have been really, they made decisions which cause a lot of havoc in your family. It doesn't matter. At this time, may all beings in Australia be free from suffering, happy and well. I forgive you for all your faults. I just want to give you loving kindness to heal you. And then it goes further, and Australia goes over the oceans through to our closest neighbour, Indonesia, up through Bali. That's where Jan Abramadi is right now. And up into Sumatra and Jakarta and all the islands of Indonesia, up to Singapore and Malaysia and Thailand, over to New Zealand, over just the whole of Southeast Asia, down to Sri Lanka, to India, to Russia. Loving kindness knows no barrier of politics, or peoples, or races, or genders. May all beings throughout the whole world, over to Europe, the UK, it's not part of Europe anymore after Brexit, to the United States, Canada, and down to Central and South America, Japan. The whole world, may all beings receive the warmth, the forgiveness, the kindness, the friendship, the willingness to serve from all the beings here in Jhana Grove. May you be happy and well. You may not know us, but we think of you. We don't know who you are, but we just wish you to be at peace, joyful, and to achieve the things you seek for in life. The peace, the love, the freedom, the ability to find meaning in your own way. Not just human beings, animals and birds, and the whole ecosystem. May you all be well and happy. To allow this loving kindness energy to go over the whole world like a blanket of golden light. As you give it, how do you feel inside? It's weird, but the more you give, the more that you have to give. The amount of loving kindness increases, it never diminishes. And imagine that golden light just staying there for a while. Now there's one person you've forgotten. And this boundless loving kindness, you've forgotten one being. Imagine you're standing in a room in front of a full-length mirror and the being you see in that mirror is the being that bears your name. The person you've lived this life with up to now. The person who sometimes you've been cruel to, critical to, given such a hard time to 
underneath all of those clothes and that skin and that hair, there are the wounds which you've experienced in this life. You're not that much different than that kitten. So now you give this loving kindness to yourself. Me, the person whose face and body I recognize as the one who has my name. Me, the door of my heart is fully open to me right now. Please come in. I care for me. If I can't give that loving kindness energy to myself, it's like I am a hypocrite. Give it to others, but neglect it to myself. Why? Imagine that golden energy, your own golden energy going right back inside of you, right to the tip of your head, down to your ears, right to the nose. It's going down to your throat, to your body, down to your arms, to the tips of your fingers. Cleansing, healing, forgiving, warming. Down your body, inside your heart and lungs and kidneys and all this stuff which can sometimes get so overused it gets sick. My lungs, may you be at peace and happy and never need to get COVID. My heart, I mean the heart which pumps the blood around me. Thank you so much. Your service is appreciated. Thank you. I care for you. And down your body to your tummy and my stomach. I apologize to it. The number of stuff which I put inside of your stomach. Sorry. Thanks for looking after me. Down kidneys and livers and intestines. Down the legs. All of my body, I care for you. May you be happy and well. And the brain, with all the decisions it has to make, thank you. And you give this loving kindness to yourself. Last of all. Because these days that's the hardest being to give loving kindness to. I mean real loving kindness. Me? I don't need to improve. I value you as you are. And then you can imagine all that loving kindness over the whole world and inside of you. Now the light of the loving kindness, imagine drawing it back in from the furthest places of planet Earth drawing it back into the continent of Australia, leaving the warmth where it was, but bringing the light back, and drawing it from the continent of Australia into the city of Perth, into the suburb of Serpentine, into the Jhana Grove compound, into the meditation hall, and into your own body into a place just above your heart. And your heart you imagine as a lotus flower, fully open, 
pure. The only receptacle which seems appropriate to hold that loving kindness, to keep it, preserve it for use at a future time. Imagine that ball of golden light like a sphere, brilliant, like a nimitta, and the lotus petals slowly, gently enclosing that ball of loving kindness to be used another time, another place. But keep the warmth outside. Please keep your eyes closed for another minute as I give the final blessing for you all. next one, <laughs> whenever that comes, which always does.